Have you ever heard a preacher tell a story or use an image that was so entertaining, so compelling, so interesting that you didn't hear anything else the preacher said? As a preacher, I can always tell when I have spent too much time on the window dressing and not enough time on the content of the sermon when the people coming out of church want to talk about the anecdote I used and not the gospel lesson we heard. And the comments themselves aren't deflating, of course, they're actually kind of flattering, but the realization that I missed the opportunity to invite a congregation to hear what God is saying instead of what their preacher might want to say, that is certainly deflating. But I suppose that preaching, faithful preaching, requires both a faithful preacher and a faithful congregation, which means, in theory, that the misplaced focus on an image or a story might not be the preacher's fault, it might be the congregation's <laughs> fault. Now, I say this not to defend myself or my preaching, mostly. I say it because in today's gospel lesson, Jesus uses an image that seems to distract his audience from what he's really trying to tell them. And I don't know about you, but I am far more likely to criticize my hearing than Jesus' preaching. I am the bread of life. He says to them, whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We know those words, and we hear those words as if spoken in that gentle, reassuring tone with which our Savior must say them as he draws God's people to himself to receive everlasting sustenance. But if we read the rest of John chapter 6 and look at this line in context, we discover Jesus wasn't trying to reassure the crowd. He was trying to get them back on board. They'd lost the thread. They'd stopped focusing on what he was trying to tell them. Last Sunday, in what would have been our gospel reading if we hadn't celebrated the Feast of the Transfiguration, Jesus says to the crowd who's come looking for him, you're only looking for me because you ate your fill of the loaves and the fish that I multiplied for you. Stop working for the food that perishes. Start searching for the food that endures to eternal life, the true bread that comes from heaven. And as soon as he said it, as soon as he invited them to think about this bread that comes from heaven that lasts forever, well, they stopped thinking about him and all they wanted to know was where they could get a piece of that bread. I grew up on the Gulf Coast and whenever forecasters would predict that a hurricane was coming our way, the run on milk and bread left the store shelves empty and families like mine who were among the last to prepare had to rely on neighbors and friends to tell us what store might have a little bit left as we searched around town to find it. And I discovered when we moved to northern Alabama that as soon as the meteorologist hints that there might, just might be the slightest dusting of snow, those Alabama men and women run to the store and get all the milk and the bread in the same way which, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense because milk and bread are among the first things to spoil when the power goes out. 
and when you get trapped at home. But that survival instinct runs strong in us and in every generation when Jesus says to the crowd, I am the true bread, the bread that lasts forever. They look at him and say, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life, you twits. <laughs> the Greek manuscript does not include the phrase, you twits, I want you to know. But we can't hear Jesus' tone, and I, I want to imagine that that frustrated, exasperated tone that a preacher gets when the congregation just won't listen, or at least is distracted from listening, that it comes through, I am the bread of life, he says. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I wonder if that's the tone he uses when he says those words to us. I wonder if in our pursuit of Jesus, we've focused so much on finding that magic bread, that right path, that faithful secret that will lead us to heaven, that we've forgotten what it means to take Jesus at his word. This gospel lesson is all about misunderstandings. And the crowd isn't the only one who's off the right path. The religious authorities, the leaders whom John unhelpfully names the Jews, the leaders are also confused. When they hear Jesus talking about where he's from, they start to grumble among themselves. How can he say he's from heaven? They ask. We know him. We know his mom and his dad. He's from Nazareth. Heaven? That's nonsense. How can anybody listen to this nonsense? They grumbled. Now, the crowd had gotten tripped up on the offer of everlasting bread, and the authorities were tripped up by Jesus' claim to be from heaven, but really they had the same problem. They took Jesus' offer, they took his words, and insisted on receiving them on their own terms instead of the terms through which Jesus offered them. Isn't that what we do? Jesus comes to us and speaks these words of salvation to us, gives us this gift, and what do we do? As soon as we hear him say it, we say, all right, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? What words do I need to say? in order to find my way to heaven, but it doesn't work like that. Salvation isn't our work, it's God's work, and God has already done that work for us. It's not up to us to find the right bread. It's not up to us to find the right path. It's not up to us to make sense of how the incarnate one could be born to Mary and Joseph, how God's mysteries could be revealed to us in love. It's not about us. It's about God and God's love for us. It's about the work God does to bring us to God's self, to sustain us for all time. And Jesus tries to get that across in another part of this passage that I admit I am quick to write off because it sounds exclusive and discriminatory and I don't like it when my Jesus says things that makes me feel like he's pushing people away but I think actually the words he uses are words of comfort. He says to the crowd, everything that the Father has given to me will come to me. 
And anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. To the authorities, he says, no one can come to me unless drawn by the Father. That is God's work. God's work to draw all people to God's Son. God's work to love all people where they are and bring them into God's fold. That's the great work that God has been doing among humanity for all of history. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. But will we take him at his word? I am the bread of life, he says. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It's not bread we're after. It's love. It's love that lasts. Love that seeks us and finds us. Love that calls us and brings us home. You can't show up in church and eat the communion bread and listen to the sermon and say your prayers and find your own way to heaven because in God you are already there. God already loves you like that. Our job is to see it and believe it and to trust that God's love will be with us always. Will we take him at his word? When we hold that piece of bread in our hand, will we see it not as a piece of magic, but as a token of love that sustains us and saves us forevermore?